I can't help it that I look good, smell good, can't dance all night long. Uh, you've been talking to the apes and the giraffes and chimpanzees again, haven't you? Yes, I'm excited! Hey, what's up, everybody? What's going on, man? Fast Freddy here coming to you from the Youngstown Studios in beautiful downtown Youngstown, Ohio. And uh, we got a good show coming up here today. We've got two excellent comedians that have shows coming to the Robbins Theater in downtown Warren. And we will be hearing uh, from uh, Carol Montgomery, who will be one of the headliners for the uh, Comedy of Women of a Certain Age show coming to Robbins Theater on the 21st, I believe. And then we have our buddy Basil, Youngstown favorite Basil. And uh, Basil's got a show also coming to Robbins Theater on March 2nd. And Basil will be taping his show for a, a comedy special live. So if you're in the audience for this one, you'll be a part of that taping. And uh, hopefully you'll uh, see yourself on some big uh, TV show coming up. So I think one of the reasons Basil chose Youngstown is because he loves the people here. We love Basil. And also... Um, uh, Carol is going to be here, so I, I guess anytime we're ready to get things going here, we could uh, we could get it started. So this is our what what is this our is this our first show of the new year? Of the new year. Wow, first show of the new year. We were off for a couple of weeks, and uh, if I'm if I seem like I'm dragging a little bit today, I went to see the Cavs game yesterday with my sister and uh, my nephew and her boyfriend and a couple other people, and. Uh, I, you know, it kind of crept up on me. I didn't have a lot to eat and, you know, I forgot we were day drinking, you know, I was doing some day drinking over the holidays, but I forgot like yesterday and I'll tell you, so I'm dragging just a little bit today. It feels like a Monday, but, uh, the Browns are headed to the playoffs. We're feeling good about that. How the Steelers weasel their way in. I have no clue. And, uh, anyways, we'll get her done. We'll make it happen. You know? So are we ready to go here? We have Carol on the line. Nobody yet. Okay, we're waiting to hear from Carol, and we're also waiting to hear from Basil. And uh, as soon as we hear from them, uh, we'll get things going. But how about the Browns, man? Who would have thought that the Cleveland Browns would have made it into the playoffs at the beginning of the year? For a minute there, we were all ready to throw in the towel. Or at least I was. I got to admit, I was ready. You know, when Chubb got hurt in that Steelers game, I was like, oh, this is this is this is terrible. What are we gonna do? And then when Watson went out and was like, oh no, what are we gonna do? And then when Hopkins, our kicker, he said all those Phil Dawson records, and you're like, oh, this guy's great. This is look at this. And then he gets hurt. And then I think at one point we had like 10, 12 players out. And it was like, how are we gonna do this? And somehow this team managed to pull it off. That's why I kind of feel they're a team of destiny, you know. And the Steelers, how they got in, I don't even know. Mason Rudolph, Mason Rudolph, third string guy comes off the bench and, and leads them to the playoffs. So it's it's going to be interesting this weekend. And you know what? This, I, I saw something today. It, it, it's kind of crazy. Um, this is the first time in the history of the NFL that all three Lake Erie teams are in the playoffs at the same time. The Lions, the Bills, and the Browns have all, all three teams on Lake Erie have never been in the playoffs at the same time, except for this year. So there are some people out there that would like to see, uh, the steel, uh, the, the Browns and the Lions in the Super Bowl, because that would be two teams that never been to the Super Bowl match up for the first time, which would be pretty cool. And then there's some other people out there would are like, wouldn't it be something if Baker Mayfield 
and 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 Tampa Bay end up playing the Browns Ooh, in the Super Bowl. That would that would be have a great storyline yes. too, you know. So you're always thinking about that, and I'm sure the NFL has all those scenarios going through their head too, is what they would like to see, yeah. and you know what kind of drama they yeah, can like create. Browns versus the Ravens, and then yeah, the Browns yeah. versus yeah. Tampa. Yeah, Bay. yeah, yeah. If the old Browns beat the the new Browns beat the old Browns yeah. to get in, and then they take on Tampa Bay with their quarterback that they threw to the gutter. That would be interesting. And, and and the Lions and the Browns would be interesting too. Just two teams that have never been to the Super Bowl battle it out. But uh, that, that would be a good one too. All right. We got Basil here. The Greek god, Basil, is in the house. <laughs> and uh, how you doing, Basil? Good, man. Carol is uh, trying to get on. I think you're going to have to need to have someone, Joe, send her another uh, link. She said the link is not working, Fred. Okay, well, we'll take care of that. And while he's doing that, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll chat here for a while. So what's up, brother? I haven't seen you for a while. 2024 is going to be a big year. Yeah, 2024 is unbelievable. First of all, you know, I'm in Cleveland next week. And to play Northeast Ohio on the 13th of January, where the Browns are going to begin their Super Bowl trek, beating Houston again. At Houston, Freddie, my nipples are hard thinking about it, to be quite honest with you. And uh, it's really going to be an unbelievable thing. It truly is. With our defense, I, I see good things happening. Yeah, it, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Who would have thought that this team was going to be in the playoffs to begin with when everybody went down at the beginning of the season? It was like, yeah. oh, here we go, another Cleveland Browns season of gloom and doom, and here we go. We're all so used to that. And then they just kept winning and winning and winning. The team's motto is go, to go 1-0 and every week. That's all they're thinking about, going 1-0 and every week. And it seems to be working. You know that as well as I do. You take one game at a time. That's all you can do. You can't stack up and worry about next week and the week after. You got to worry about our Super Bowl is this upcoming Saturday at 4:30 when there's kickoff time and I'm telling you that's the way. Now I give a lot of credit to Stefanski and the coaching staff and you know I'm a, you know I love my football. All right? You know I love my football. But the thing is and I'm a huge Browns fan. More than comedy, but speaking of comedy, Freddie, I have decided that I will be at the Robbins Theater March 2nd to film a comedy special that we're doing, um, and I'm very excited. We're doing it for, you know, um, for Amazon, and, and I want to do something great, uh, and, and Netflix is still in play, but right now we're doing it independently, and we're going to do it at the Robbins. And I'm very, very excited about, uh, because, listen, man, you know as well as I do, I love the Youngstown area. Always have, always will. And uh, listen, man, how many times have we had when, you know, when we were back in the day, when we did the Wheel of Spank, when we wound up Classic. doing all that crazy stuff that people followed us, when we heard those two girls doing God knows what to each other and the guy <laughs> to win tickets, goes out of the car, it was mystical and magical. And it brings a tear to my eye, Fred. Of all no, those were some, those were some really crazy times, man. They would, you know, the wheel of spank and, uh, 
Oh, what, what was the other one? Well, like you say, the two women that were just making out on the phone to win tickets. I mean, me and Basil were just sitting there like going, <gasps> it was, it was a really kind of an awkward moment, really. You know, it's like, but it brought us together, Freddie, as two men appreciating two women enjoying themselves. It, it brought it, it still to this day brings a tear to mind, to be quite honest. And then we did the thing where the guys pulled out a shotgun and they started shooting out the windows of a junk car. <laughs> That was a that was something that was just amazing, and uh, the, the wheel of spank was something else. And and then remember we were doing uh, we would turn your house into a comedy club, and we would come there and you'd do the show, and we'd be going through people's drawers and through their refrigerators and just all kinds of crazy stuff. But that I mean, you've been worst. playing the Youngstown, you've no, been playing the Youngstown area for for such a long time. You know, like, uh, you know, you play just about everywhere. Dior and the, in the early days of the funny farm when it was in Choices in Liberty next to the, uh, oh the, the disco. And, you know, we have just done so many different things over the years. And, uh, and your, your audience in the Youngstown area, man, people love you here in Youngstown. And I think that's why it'll be a great place because you have so many fans here. You have such a strong fan base and the Robbins theater looks so great. And I think, you know what, you might be starting something here because, uh, you know, once this thing gets out and people see the Robbins Theater and how well it looks and how great this is going to look on TV, I think a lot of people out there will want to jump in there and, and, and be a part of it. Well, we're doing a seven-camera shoot uh, on this, making sure that the people of Youngstown are well-represented. Listen, Freddie, nothing pissed me off more Um Last God, it was la it was last year, right? It was last December right. when basically uh, you had that train fell off the tracks with a chemical spill, and not a damn person from the government really came to do anything to see. Um, listen, I, I don't like getting into politics, but I'll be damned if you can't wind up getting someone from our government under this current administration to come and see the damage that it has done. I mean, look, you know, listen, my Northeast Ohio people, we have our own issues. Did we really need a chemical spill to make it that much worse for God's sake? No. You know, the, the one-year anniversary, the one-year anniversary of that is coming up. It happened in February. So the one-year anniversary of that is coming up. And I'll tell you, it, it was just such a terrible thing for the people in East Palestine. I mean, you can't even imagine that happening. And I'll tell you, I was at a, a outdoor show, for a, you know, a few miles from the uh, from the scene, you know. Right. And I was in Canfield. This was in East Palestine. But I remember for the three days that I was there, I was having a terrible asthma attack just out of nowhere. So, you know, wow. it was from that. I mean, I was just, I could not breathe for three days being in that general vicinity. And now, you know, and it, it, the people down there were just so devastated. And still the unknown that, that goes along with something like this. What are the long-term effects of this? Or say you were planning on moving and you put your house up for sale and then this happens. Or, you, you know, whatever the case may be. Maybe you opened a new business in, in, in East Palestine. And then the next thing you know, it's like, I'm not going down there. You know, yeah. so uh, and that's why, you know, the reason why of all the places around the United States, because I wanted to do it in the U.S. And of all the places I chose, believe it or not, I chose the greater Youngstown area because of my love for the people, the support that they have given me over the years. 
Uh, they've always been great fans, and I wanted something to really showcase Youngstown. And I figured, why not do a comedy special uh, from there? And even though it's in Warren, I mean, it is, you know, Youngstown's backyard, to be quite honest with you. Right. Is right. There- We're all, you know, it's all one area, Youngstown, oh, Warren. Absolutely. You know. And is there anything nicer than the Robbins Theater? The theater's got to be, man, I want to say about 80 years old. And uh, probably older it, than that. Probably. Probably. Yeah. How old is Joe? You were just down there not too long ago, weren't you? Down at the Robbins? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the amount of money they put into that place and, 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 and I'll tell you what, it has been like the, the crown jewel of downtown Warren. It's amazing on what that has done for downtown Warren, making people want to go to downtown Warren and right. the, the restaurants and bars and everything around there are also seeing an uptick. You know, every time there's a show down there, whether it's a tribute band, whether it's a national act, whether it's a comedy show, people come out. And one of the reasons they like it is first of all, it's close to home. You're getting top quality entertainment right close to home. You're not driving to Cleveland. You're not driving to Pittsburgh. You're home in 15, 20 minutes, half hour at the max, depending on where you live. And the parking is free. And uh, it's just a great time, man. And everything about that place is right. And the drink prices are right. They don't soak you on drinks. And and every, every seat in the place is a good place. You're up close. And the, the place looks great. And uh, between the Covelli Center for the bigger shows in Youngstown and the Robbins Theater in downtown Warren for the smaller shows, I mean, I can't say enough about what this has done, you know, for, for businesses in the area and, and just bringing people into the area. You know, we're just not getting people from Youngstown. You know, you look at the Covelli Center, you know, you're getting it, it, it's it's turned into a regional destination. And that's the same way with the. Uh, with the uh, Robbins Theater, it's, it, it has also turned into a uh, a regional destination where we're getting people from Cleveland. We're getting people Absolutely. from Pittsburgh and, and, that want to come here and see this kind of stuff. And also one of the great things that I loved about Ken Hyderis that has basically, he has opened the door to comedy. You know, Ken's, this is really a musical type of uh, venue. And Ken says, well, let's start doing something a little bit different. And uh, Ken has allowed me to go ahead and bring in various top-notch acts to come on. Um, You know, uh, I was very, very, very fortunate to have a good friend in in Carol, um, Carol Montgomery, who started this Women of a Certain Age uh, to come. And this, you could see this show right now. You can see it on Showtime. And, you know, bringing Marsha Warfield herself and, you know, and bringing top-notch acts. And this is my first, you know, soiree to bring women of a certain age where, you know, Marsha Warfield, who we all knew from Night Court, and she is reviving her, you know, her act. (laughs) Right. The show's coming back. The show's Um, coming back. And Roz is actually making a comeback. And she's going to be there with Carol. Is Carol on with us? Yeah, Carol's on with us. Hi, Carol. How are you? Guys, I don't know why. I, I, for some reason, I you can only see the logo. You cannot see my face, and I put makeup on, so I'm very upset. (laughs) Oh man, that I actually took a bath and I look good, but for some reason, every time I click on the camera, it goes, "You don't have a camera," which is stupid because I do other other streaming shows. So I right, right. So that's just me and the logo. So hi. 
Hey, Carol, how are you? So uh, you got the uh, a Women of a Certain Age comedy show coming to the Robbins Theater on yes. uh, January 21st. And uh, Basil and myself were just talking about what a great venue this is and how we're, you know, opening up the comedy. So you and Basil are, have been familiar with each other. You guys uh, know each other? and Yes, we've been for friends for, for many, many years. But let me just say uh, the, the date is January 20th, not January 21st. Okay, we want to make sure we get them there on the right day. Yeah, we, yeah. that'd be great if we sell out, but it's the 21st. That would not really help because <laughs> nobody right. will be there. Um, yeah, Basil, I got, Basil, I don't even know. I, I mean, I've just known him forever. We've known each other for how many years? Oh, God, Carol, it's got to be over 20, 25 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, but, well, put it this way. This is how I always say how I know. So do you remember when, when I was pregnant? Yes. Okay, so it's more than that because my son will be 32. So we've known each other a long time. And now we've lost Basil. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, we'll get Oh yeah, he's back. There you go. I'm back. We've been. I've and I and and basically, I want to say about twenty plus years ago, uh, Carol was playing in New York, and I wanted to see uh, want to see the show. And she goes, "Hey, you want to do a set real quick?" And I said, "Sure." And it was fun to be able to do that set in front of a you know because I'm originally from New York, and a lot of people don't know that. But right. I got my comedy start in Cleveland with, you know, Steve Harvey and A.J. Jamal and Bertice Berry and, oh, God, age, you know, a bunch of us and Mike Veneman, uh, the late, great Mike Veneman. And, yeah. you know, it was really, really wonderful to be able to cross paths with people who I knew from New York. And then we start talking and I've always admired, you know, uh, uh, you know, Carol so much. And, you know, I. Uh, to me, it, you know, she's one of those talents, those rare talents that she is more than just a comedian. She's an executive producer. Aww. She put together a show that basically um, is broke all the rules because, you know, a lot of guys feel, well, if it's not a guy, it's not funny. And that's a bunch of bullshit. You and I know that. Yep. And she is one of the funniest ladies I've ever met. And she put together these specials. And, to, you know, I think you know, that greater Youngstown Warren area to see women of a certain age. If you've seen it on television and you laughed your ass off, you're going to laugh your ass off even more because of the way this show is. And she puts on the great talent. And not only is she a good friend, um, I, I just, I just admire her as a pro and she's one of the funniest people around in the world. So Aww. not just in the U S so Freddie, I want all your people to come and see my special March 2nd. I want you to go and see uh, women of a certain age. And, you know, tell tell who else you got on the show, um, because uh, it's it's it, it's going to be one hell of a show. Yeah, tell us a little bit about the premise of the show, what people sure. can expect, the sure. uh, the other people that are on the bill with you. Give us Absolutely. the whole rundown and how this whole thing got started and what it's all about. Yeah, and Basil, thank you. That was you're so kind, and I appreciate it. Love it's, you. It, I love you too. And you know, it's we, both of both Basil and I have been in the business a very long time, and uh, you know, so we've we've been you know we've been in the trenches, and 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 I'm sure Basil will agree with me on this. Is like. You know, you, you have ideas and you throw them up against the wall and you, they sometimes never stick. And for some reason, when when I came up with this idea, I remember say, telling the idea, I said, you know, there should be a show with this older female comics. And my husband went, that's a great idea. And it just snowballed. It really did. It snowballed to the point where 
we premiered the show um, in 2017 um, in the fall. We had the deal with Showtime six months later, which is unheard of. It is absolutely unheard of to have it go that fast. And then we, 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 we taped that show. It was the highest rated Showtime special, uh, comedy special of 2019. And at the end of 2019, they gave us the, the second special. And then, you know, there was that little thing called the pandemic that kind of messed everything up. But we shot the third special during the pandemic. We had to actually postpone it because we had a COVID scare. And so we had to postpone it for a month, which was like a nightmare. And people were yeah. coming to the, coming, coming, they came to the, we, we shot that at the Irvine Improv, the third one. And they came, uh, you know, wearing masks and everyone was, you know, you know, the, the usual stuff we did and we, and we pulled it off. It was, it, it was great, but it's, it's basically w women in this business get, get the raw end of the stick, especially older women. You know, like I always like to say that, you know, when you turn 40 in Los Angeles, you're dead. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure with your, because the Golden Globes were just on. You saw all the women and they're all looking and there's women, older women, and they're all with their faces all tightened back. And because that's how we've been, that's how we've been, you know, taught to survive. And I was like, you know what? I know so many older women that are great comedians. Let's do that. So to answer your question about who's on the show, Vanessa Hollingshead, who was on the first special with me, she actually sold the show. Because we did a showcase for HBO and Amazon. I mean, all the networks, Showtime, uh, you know, uh, Apple wasn't around back then. But she, uh, we did a showcase for them. And she destroyed this tiny theater so hard that they basically gave us a deal that night. And so that's what you're dealing with with, with Vanessa. She's very freeform. She's very energetic. And then, of course, Marsha Warfield, as, as Basil said, you know, it, it, a lot of people know who Marsha Warfield is, but for comedians, she's a legend. She's a comedy legend. For example, Sherry Shepard, uh, who has that new TV show on, um, you know, I forget, in the daytime, she her green room is called the Marsha Warfield green room. <laughs> so do you know what there I mean? So, so she's a very beloved um, uh, 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 comic in our in our community, and she's so good at what she does. Do you know what I mean? Like, like there, there was a, you know, we've been, you know, we've been doing social media posts and all that stuff. And a gentleman reached out to her and said, Hey, I'm coming to the show. Is there any way I could get backstage passes? I'd love to meet you. And she, she's on social media. She's just a regular human being. And she goes, I don't know about backstage passes, but come up to me after the show. We'll take pictures. I mean, what kind of store? There's not a lot of stores like that in the world. And she's one of them. And you know what I think is, you know what I like about this whole show too? You know, I think people of a certain age, meaning our age, yes. you know, I think we're kind of like a different generation. I think we were the, the last of a certain breed that was grown mm -hmm. up a certain way that had a certain amount of freedom. And, yeah. you know, I, I think, but we're still out there and it's not like we're old farts. You know what I mean? I yeah. could think of people, you know, you look back and say your grandparents when they were 66 years old, 60 right. years old. If you look back on your grandmother, you right. see somebody with gray hair and cat eye glasses and, and, and wearing a, a flowered house coat or something, carrying a pocketbook. And, and, and I don't think our generation is like that, you know? 
actually, I, I, I just think I, we're still, I, I think we got a lot to offer yet. I mean, yes. could you see your grandmother, if she was 60 years old, getting on stage and doing a comedy show? string on to be quite honest yes. we did right but I, I do want to say i am glad that um that i don't have the camera on because i am wearing cat eye glasses and a flower <laughs> shirt and a pocketbook so i just want to i'm glad that i you know because it would have been really awkward no i'm kidding people have and and this is important too because it is called women of a certain age but it's not just for women. It's for it's for men too. I mean, I love when I love women come actually like lots of women. In fact, I, I was talking to I forget one of the people I've been interviewing all over, but they said that they were bringing this woman was like renting a limo and bringing a bunch of women, and it was just going to be the girlfriends. And then, but but I, and I said that's great, but I did say that I mean, bring your husbands, bring your children. I mean, the first two specials. Half of the audience were in their twenties, you know, because we shot it in Brooklyn, where it where it's hipster central. So, you know, yeah, but but they, yeah. What I gotta say, Carol, is how cool is it when you have our generation, uh, because we're still the baby boomer generation, right? That we can still appeal to those to those kids today. Hell, when I'm entertaining, I love when I have Gen Z. In the audience, yes, because they laugh at the same crazy stuff, and they come back for a second time, and they watch it again, and they're right. like, "We gotta follow you. We want to see where you're gonna be at next time." That is when you know that you have these people, and I'm telling you, Fred, the young people come, the older people come, the grandmothers come, and by the way, I want to tell you that I right now I'm wearing a g-string. Um, <laughs> he did have the house coat on earlier too, by the way. <laughs> he did have that on a little earlier. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a lot of fun, and and I'm one of the reasons why I'm really proud about this is because uh, you, Basil knows this about me. I mean, yes, I, you know, I I, I I make a living as a comedian by myself, but the the joy I really have of it is is giving my friends the chance to be seen and to shine. Do you know what I mean? And and you know. It's it, you'll. I mean, I I say this all the time. You'll always hear me in the back of the room. I will always be watching because you'll hear me because I'm the one that sounds like a foghorn. Like ah, that's me. And I watch. I watch every. I, I go and I and some of these women I work with all the time and I know their acts back backwards and forwards and I still laugh because I just you know and 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 the and and let's just um uh cut to the chase because a lot of people go well you know women all talk about the same thing. I will guarantee you that they th this particular show is going to be everyone is completely different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it, we we all are coming from you know it's always funny when they say that about women. They always go, "Oh yeah, you know, all women all they do is talk about the same thing." But yet every young male comic I see talks about smoking weed in his parents' basement. So, how come nobody says anything about that? No, she's absolutely correct. And I think there's that bias. They say, well, it's, she's, a, you know, the funniest chick I ever saw was a guy. I mean, I've heard that line a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. And I used to mm -hmm. think, I said, that is the biggest bunch of bullshit. Some of the funniest people I know are women. And I can watch their shows over and over and over again. And when I started watching, I was so proud of, of when they, when she put out the, the women of a certain age, 
Uh, Carol just did such a great job. I saw her stand up and just killed it. And, and all the other women that she wound up being this wonderful executive producer that put this magical show on. And you look at the mix of audience, young, old, male, female, gay, does straight, doesn't matter. Everyone's going to love this show. It's the same way, Freddie, with my show. Okay, right. You show. know, that's one thing I wanted to get out too about Carol's show is that this isn't like you're 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 dragging the old man off to watch a a, no. a Hallmark chick flick or something. This no, is going to no. be a night of real good, co- or maybe it is. I don't know. I wait a minute. I didn't see the show yet, so maybe I'm totally wrong on this. Maybe I'm going out on the limb and and <laughs> and. Yeah, but but I, from what I get, it's not like you're just going to go there. You're you're dragging the old man to see a chick flick. It's going to be a, a lot of laughs all night long. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, and then usually sometimes, you know, it it depends if we have time. Like we sometimes we we take questions from the stage because we we, we all have great, you know, we all do have amazing stories about what it was like to be on the road. You know, it's not the same thing, you know, as when when, you know, when a guy is going on them, because you have the first thing you have to think about is your safety. You know what I mean? Like a woman on the road. Uh, like I, the, the one story, which is in, I, I, I can tell there are many other horror stories, but one time I came back from a gig, it's two o'clock in the morning and, you know, we're awake because we, we, we were on a high and everything. And my, someone knocks on my door and I go, who is it? And they go, uh, maintenance. And I was like, um, well, hold on a second. Let me call the front desk and see if, you know, just to confirm you. And I, I heard the guy running away from the door. So he, you know what I mean? Like. That's just one of the minute ones. And that got, you know, thank goodness I everything was fine. But I can tell you, you know, we ha- we've all been there. You know, we're just all we're doing is we're trying to make a living as comedians, just like the guys. But we have the extra added thing about being being a female. Now, who were some of the female comedians out there that influenced you and made you want to get into this? Um, my 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 number one um, uh, uh, female comic is Lily Tomlin. You know, I and you know now in Lily's case, she started. You know, a lot of people don't know that she did stand up, but she was a stand up comic. She did mostly characters, but um, she was. It was she started like in the late fifties, early sixties when there was like five women, and she was gay. So it was really a tough, um, you know, uh, situation for her to be in. But she was able. She was also very. You know, there's a way that you can hold yourself when you're around you know, situations. I, I, I've always been very lucky. I always say, I don't care if you if you think I'm funny, but everyone respects me. You know what I yeah. mean? No, I've been very lucky that way. So Lily no. Tomlin, of course, you know, Joan Rivers, uh, you know, I went, uh, when I lived in Las Vegas, I was in Vegas for 10 years, starring a couple of shows out there and Phyllis Stiller was doing her final tour. And I went to see her and I took my son who was like eight at the time because I wanted him to see history. And Phyllis Stiller, because Joan, Joan's always considered the, the bigger comic, I think. But Phyllis Stiller was one of the best joke tellers I've ever, ever seen. And she was in her 80s then. Yeah. She was magnificent. Now, she how was about that? Uh, I, I was going to say, I was doing a television interview in um, Indianapolis. Uh, I can't remember if it was uh, either an ABC or an NBC affiliate. And... I had to follow her and she stayed for my segment and said, gave me such a wonderful compliment. And she goes, Oh, 
what was her husband? Was it Fang? Fang. 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 Yeah. And she goes, ah, I just got to replace you. Or uh, I got to replace Fang with you. Honey, ah. a little Greek goes a long way with me. And I started laughing. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So she she stuck around and asked where I was playing. I was playing at that time at the, um, oh, my God, Crackers Comedy Club wow. in Indianapolis uh, doing that. So that was great. Um, and to do that, what a, what a great, uh, oh my God, she's an icon. She's a comedic icon. Yeah. Now, how about you, Carol? Uh, what was some good advice that somebody gave you? Has is, is anybody, any of these women, have you crossed paths with them or somebody, you know, gave you the proper encouragement or, you know, words of encouragement or things that make you want to continue on? Well, it, 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 um, uh, I, I never got to meet, uh, Phyllis or, um, or, or Joan. And, um, I'm, I'm still hoping to meet Lily Tomlin, but I will say the best encouragement I ever got. I was a young comic and I was, I was going out and I was doing spots at the comedy store. And at the time the comedy store was known, the comics, there were known to be thieves, joke thieves. And I was sitting outside with a young guy named Sinbad, who was just a young comic. And we were talking, I was like, oh man, I just, I don't know if I want to, I, I mean, should I, I don't, I'm, I'm worried people are going to steal my joke. And he gave me the greatest, I, I still think this is the greatest line ever. He says, Carol, they can take your jokes, but they can't take you. Perfect. And, and, and it really made sense because so much of comedy isn't just the material. It's, it's who you are on stage. Um, and, um, and my, the most, you know, it's funny because you talk about the, the women that I respected, but, uh, the encouragement I needed to keep going was also, I was a young comic and for the, for the young listeners, this was before the internet and we didn't have camera phones. I was doing a set at the comedy store and this, uh, giant, uh, bodyguard comes up to me, this giant man. And he says, ma'am, Mr. Pryor would like to see you. And I was oh, like, wow. what? What? And he brought, brought me over. And this is when Richard was very, you know, he was, you know, his last month of his life. And he had been sitting in the back watching the show with Mitzi, uh, who is the owner of the comedy store. And he, and he leans over and he grabs my hand and he goes, I think you're really funny. And I burst into tears. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay, thank you. I mean, I, and then I called my husband from a payphone because we didn't have cell phones then. And I'm sobbing. And he's like, what happened? What happened? Did you get an accident? Richard Pryor thinks I'm funny. So that was enough for me. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. You know, that, and, and, and I have no documentation of it because we didn't have that back then. But in my heart, I know. I mean, that 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 that, that, that was That enough. alone, really, that has to be something. How about you, Basil? You ever have a big moment like that, you know, with yeah, somebody exactly. that really changed your life or somebody that gave you that uh you know that 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 kind of compliment. Well, Phyllis Diller, uh, first of all, is, I would put right up on on yes, that. Phyllis absolutely. Diller, and I was really using because you know, Fred, I do my my act in Greek as well as in English, so I tour all over the world doing that. But um, I used to sit up at night, and my father would find me at five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning in front of the hi fi, and I would sit there listening to Pryor's stuff. Mm -hmm. And Richard Pryor to me was people say, who's your favorite? Well, it's Richard Pryor. There's no two ways about it. The man just 
created a character that was so believable. And that's what I always try to emulate to create that character that people can buy into. Because you know me, when I'm on stage, I'm a lot different when I'm off stage. Mm -hmm. So it's a character that you develop and whatnot. But one of the greatest compliments, almost like with, with, you know, with Carol, is I was at Rascal's Comedy Club in New Jersey, in, in um, West, uh, I think it was West Orange, New Jersey. West was it what was it West Orange? Yeah, it was West Orange. Yeah, West Orange, New Jersey at Rascals, which was the one of the the major comedy clubs. And they used to have a thing called Rascals Comedy Night or whatever. And it was filmed for the tri-state area. And um and I did a set and had a great set and come off. And as I came off the set, uh you know, off the stage, this guy comes up to me. And I'm looking at him, and he goes, "You're funny." I mean, you're really, really. Funny. And I'm like, and I'm looking at him, and and I'm like, "Oh my god!" And of all people, I as I started laughing, as as I'm looking at him, and it, it, it was Sam Kennison. He goes, wow. "No," and Kennison goes, "You fucking destroyed this place. Holy shit, you're funny." And you're, he says, "You're really, you know." kind of clean and, and your character and, and I'm sitting there and I'm mesmerized that these yeah. words are coming out of this guy's mouth and it's someone and this is and he was straight uh, he had dinner with Howard Stern if you remember Carol uh, they had that restaurant upstairs and I you know and I got that was the first time I met Howard Stern I went upstairs he goes come on I want to meet you this, I want to introduce you to Stern and I went upstairs and Stern was up there. Um, oh God, uh, who is the Jackie the Joke Man was up yep. there with him. And and he goes, Hey, you gotta see this guy. And and do you know ever since then, um, I know there's been a lot of controversy with him and Carl Lobo and all this other garbage that went down, but every time I would go to Vegas. Uh, and I would uh, not, I would think about him, but then I would wind up going to where he's from in Oklahoma, in Tulsa. And he is buried next to his father, his brother, and I think yeah. two of his brothers. And I will go and visit their gravesite because uh, Tennyson, to me, was such a character and such mm -hmm. a, and he just, it, it was just unbelievable that Tennyson thought that I was funny. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Thank you. That is a good one. A little child. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that is big. Yeah. Hey, you know what? We're talking about Richard Pryor. If you get a chance, you got to look up the one bit that he talks about a, a, an experience that he had at a mob run strip club in Youngstown. Oh yeah. And it is one place. of the funniest bits that he does. And the thing about it is it's not even a bit. It is true. It's and if true. you're from Youngstown <laughs> and you watch this and you're like, yeah, I know that guy, you know, the yeah. guy's talking about stabbing somebody in an eye with an ice pick and oh, yeah. just the oh. Italian accent that he uses and the phrases that he uses. Nice. And if you're from Youngstown and you're sitting there watching that and you're going, man, he hit it right on the head. Yeah. That's one of my favorites from Richard oh, Pryor. Yeah. A lot of people don't know. If you tell them where the money came from to really help build Vegas, it was built by the Purple Gang and the mob connections that they had between, um, you know, between, uh, I guess, Youngstown, Warren, Ohio, and also Steubenville, 
where, you know, uh, what was it? Dean Martin got started there right? and all yeah. the other acts. It was all basically purple gang money that came from the area. And that's right. what helped build Vegas. You know, Youngstown was the first place that Dean Martin performed publicly. Wow. It was in, at, at Craig's Beach out by Lake Milton. There's even a historic oh. plaque there. Wow. And then also back in the day, we had this illegal casino in Youngstown. It was called the Jungle Inn. Mob run. Everybody from Youngstown, the, the old timers back then, the one thing they always used to talk about was the guys in the machine gun nest up over top of the gambling floor. And yeah. Dino uh, had some kind of connections out there. You know, there's some people say he was a dealer out there. Some people said he sang out there, but he, he did have some sort of connection out there to the jungle in back in the day. Right. Hey, you know what? Can we take one pause here? Sure. Can we, uh, you know, we usually have a libation when we're doing this show and my producer <laughs> Joe is here. And he's lighting something on fire. Joe, grab a mic here. And and what, what's going on? And why does it smell like hickory? We're, we're burning incense or something. What is going on here? So I, uh, over the holiday, I perfected an old-fashioned re- recipe. Okay. So I wanted to make you an old-fashioned. And th- this is an old-fashioned, old-fashioned. This is the old-fashioned with the smoke and all that. Kind okay. Of so, stuff. yeah, th- wow. this drink is actually smoking. It is. Okay. So and this is the... Smoking your bourbon. Yeah, look at that. We're smoking our bourbon here. So this is a old, old fashioned, old fashioned, old fashioned I, and, and that you set on fire. Is that what you did? Yep. Burn, burn you smoke it. Just smoke it. Oh, okay. So, so, so this is burning some hickory here. Well, cheers, cheers, Basil, Karen, Carol, cheers, and cheers to you too as cheers. well. We're I, we're just gonna I'm take drinking. a short, a, a quick sip here. I'm drinking water. Mm. Wait, oh live my God, head. is that good? Is that good? Thanks, Basil. Oh. This is an awesome drink. Okay, so what did you make here? What's the ingredients? How'd you do that? Explain so this whole thing. Get some uh, rye bourbon, uh-huh. get some bitters, yeah, some uh, simple syrup, and wow. then you got the smoke. That is a tasty drink there. Hey, yeah, we're, we're getting high okay. class here. Usually we're slugging, you know, Mad Dog out of a bottle <laughs> and we pass it around to all the guests. Now we're moving up here. Thanks. Yeah. Again, you know, boy, we get Carol on the show and all of a sudden we take it up to the fancy now. hickory smoked uh, old fashions and stuff. What was that thing you put on top of the glass? So that, what was this? So there's, uh, there's wood chips in there. Oh, yeah, this got wood chips in there. Okay. All right. Freddie, he's trying to kill you. Wow, I I don't know what he's trying to do here, Carol. Oh, oh hey Basil, you. happy uh happy Christmas, Merry Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas, yeah, Merry Christmas you. this week. Uh, it was, uh, you know, of course, whenever you wind up having Epiphany, it's uh, Orthodox Easter or Christmas rather. So it was very very cool, and that's where we get the young people to jump in the water, to go into go ahead and retrieve a cross. It's thrown by the priest. And it just shows you sometimes how mental our religion is to make <laughs> where their penis now, literally go into their body cavity for warmth. I think it's a beautiful t- testament. Now, really now growing up Greek, uh, how did, how was, you know, growing up, how were you different from the other kids when you're celebrating Christmas a couple weeks later than everybody else? Was it an well, advantage, disadvantage? Was it weird? How, how did you handle that? We actually celebrated on 25th. But the thing is, because I was such a dumbass uh, as a child, I truly believed in Santa until I was like uh, 24. And, you know, basically what I wanted, I just was kind of concerned how Santa was going to come into our house as a child. 
And my poor father was only, you know, closed for three days. Uh, He was closed like for New Year's Day, Christmas Day, Thanksgiving Day. But on Christmas Eve, he worked like half a day, which was like four in the morning till about six at night. That was referred to as a half day. And here was my concern uh, asking this five foot three Greek man how Santa Claus was going to come into, you know, into our home. And in Greek, I'd ask him, Dad, how's Santa going to come into our home for we don't, you know, we don't have a, you know, a fireplace. Ah, yes, we're going to leave the door open and Santa come from the door. But someone's going to rob us that way. Yes, right. Okay, we're going to leave the back window by the kitchen open. Santa Claus is going to come from there. But Dad, if we do that, we're going to call. And Father got so fed up because I'm Santa Claus, goddammit. And I'm thinking to my, uh, Santa Claus... You know, so so my dad uh, actually screwed up, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, screwed up everything. Halloween, he screwed up Christmas for us. Um, And your mom was a real treat on Halloween, too, wasn't she? Oh, my God. Your mom was kind of freaked out by Halloween. Yeah, I mean, I, I still won't forget, you know, it was the first time. We didn't know what Halloween was. You know, I was born in the Bronx in New York and my we didn't know what Halloween was. It wasn't until we moved to Long Island. And that first Halloween, my mom running into the kitchen half hour of mine. I'm going, what's the matter? Because the devil is outside and he wants candy. And I'm like, what the hell? Okay, <laughs> shit. The devil's going to come over to our house. And so my, my grandmother would make baklava, you know, and she wouldn't even put a tray or, any, or a little cup or anything. She just give the kids right from the pan with a spatula and put it in the bag. And I'm sitting there and the kids are, I can see their faces going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and why is my candy so sneaky? Uh, you know, so literally the, the, my family has destroyed every American holiday that there is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I never, I, you know, I, I, we never had turkey. Uh, we 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 never had turkey. We had lamb. Who the hell eats lamb on Thanksgiving? We had lamb, moussaka, pastito, dolmades, panacopita, triopita, feta cheese, kalamata, al- you know, olives, you know, just like the pilgrims. And, you know, for us, it was, <laughs> it was true. Easy for Can you send to- all that food over now? Because now you made me hungry. I made you hungry. You know, yeah, you need to. I, oh, wait a minute! I have to stop you. You have to yeah. at some. I'm going to come down to your place, and you're going to cook for me. Listen, <laughs> you're you. helping me with my special. You're going to go ahead. I will cook you a meal. Look, when you do this, then we're going to get together. Either I'm going to fly you down to Wilmington, or I'm going to go ahead and see you in New York. I'll take it to Astoria. We'll go to Kiklavis or something like that. A great Greek restaurant that I know. Uh, and we're going to have some hey, either good- that. Hold on. I, I think we're working on another pilot here, right here. You know, <laughs> well, this, this would, could be something. You might be onto something here. You and Carol and you're cooking this Greek food and you go to the Greek market. And I'll tell you what, I this know, could be something. I know where I see talent and I would love, and I told her this before and she knows this. I would love to have her as my executive producer for a television show. But she's so busy doing her thing with women of a certain age. And one thing led to another. And, uh, you know, Fred, on a, on a serious note, she's probably one of the most talented comedians I've ever met. And notice I didn't say female. One of the most talented people who can find the funny out of anything and, and make you that much better. 
And the thing is, what she has done to bring an ensemble cast, to bring it to Northeast Ohio at the Robbins Theater, and to go ahead and do what she does, and the love that she spreads all over North America with her special, Woman of a Certain Age, with not just one, two, but three specials that she has done. I mean, Fred, and I want all my fans in that greater Youngstown area. And I'm talking even, look, Western Pittsburgh. Listen to this plea. This is a heartfelt plea right here. I feel what you're saying. This is almost like a telethon. This is like, this is like a telethon to get some people to come out here. Carol, are you feeling the love here? Are you feeling feeling the passion plea? I am. And I love Basil for that, but I will reiterate any of Basil's fans, they better be bringing me food. (laughs) and all all the greeks that are out there they'll cook her a meal that you won't would never forget hey carol i'll tell you a funny story i'll tell you a funny story about some of basil's uh fans okay this one day he's doing this show and i forget who the opener was and this guy was killing he had everybody in stitches. People are doubled over. They're almost pissing their pants. And there's like three tables right up in front. And these people are not batting an eye. They're, they're just <laughs> sitting there with complete straight faces. And I'm like, man, I feel bad for Basil. He's going to come up here. I go, this guy's really kicking ass. These people, and they're sitting right in the front. Yeah. And this guy goes through the whole show. He comes off. We bring Basil up. Here, it was three tables full of Greek people. And the minute he hit the stage, they, they just like erupted. It was just like, I can't believe it. It was almost like they were like plants. But just to see these three tables sitting there, straight face the whole time, not even paying attention. This guy comes out there and oh, they yeah. just go berserk. I thought that was hilarious. That was funnier than the show just to see that. His his fans are like uh, uh, are the Greek version of Taylor Swift fans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like when he you, comes yeah. on stage, they they, 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 they they're screaming. They're like, Basil! Yeah. Oh, it's nuts! It's nuts! And uh, hey, Carol, why don't you tell us a little bit about your up and coming days in New York and what that whole comedy scene was like there with, you know, catch a rising star and the comedy places and the people that were involved in this scene. Why don't you give us a little bit bit of background on that whole scene? I'm always amazed with that. And tell us a little bit about people you ran into people you worked with. And, you know, I've always found that scene very interesting. Well, I, I actually started, it was so funny. This is so interesting. I, um, a friend of mine just sent me, the, the, I used to tell the story all the time about when I would we waited online um, for Robin Williams when he was playing at the Copa, and, and this gentleman and myself ended up talking because it was back in the day there was no internet there was no Ticketmaster you had to wait remember when you had to sit and wait for the ticket office to open. But so those we, were the good old days. I yes. loved it like that better. Camp out in front of the record store, and, right. and you might even get lucky with a fellow, you know, the, the female Journey fan or Bruce Springsteen right. fan waiting to get right. tickets. You know. So, so we were sitting out there, and we started talking, and and he, it ended up he wanted to do comedy, I wanted to do comedy, and he sent me the ticket stub. He was cleaning out his house. It was April fourteenth, nineteen seventy nine. Is so I consider that my that's my day when I started doing stand up, and then I um because I lived in Brooklyn at the time, there was a comedy club called Pips in Sheepshead Bay. 
fifths. Sure. Okay, so remember the uh, what you're talking about with when Pryor was talking about the Italians in um, in in Youngstown. Well, Pips was owned by the same men, and yeah. um, uh, and uh, there were they never had female comics on the show. And I I said they they the first time I ever went on stage, they hated me because they wanted me to co to go home and make sauce. <laughs> so um so I started there. I started with Richard Jenny. And a gentleman named Andrew Silverstein, who ends up becoming Andrew Dice Clay. Because what people don't know about Dice is that he's a, he still is. A, he's an amazing impressionist. Like, he does one of the best Jerry Lewises I've ever seen. But he was doing Fonzie. And that morphed into Dice. Okay, so those are who I started with there. And then when, same thing, um, uh, when I was sitting... Uh, waiting for a number to get on at Catch a Rising Star, I was sitting next to a woman named Rita Rudner. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was, I mean, and so, and then when, when I, I passed at Catch a Rising Star, Paul Reiser was the MC because they were the people who were in charge. He was the one that passed me. And then, you know, like Bill Maher was there. and But they were all, the only one that ever had any juice right away was Seinfeld. Seinfeld was a god from the moment he stepped on stage. But everybody else, we were all just moving, moving and figuring it all out and doing shitty one-nighters in New Jersey, you know, and that you'd get 50 bucks and you'd get anything on the left side of the menu. <laughs> it's the fried side. And <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> right? And then, but so many people, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why there are a lot of comics that passed away because we were always eating shitty food. Things <laughs> yeah, from the left side of the menu. Only from the left side of the menu. With Basil, what he was mentioning about Sam. So you know, a lot. Like I, I, I agree with you, Basil. With Sam, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, controversy. But he, he really, his, he was a good soul. Yes. Because I remember seeing him. Robin Williams brought him out. Um, at, to catch a rising star. And like I said, I was one of the young comics. So we'd wait around late night. We watch, and. It, everyone hated him. He was, you know, because he, you know, he, he was very abrasive. Everyone, was, we hate you, you suck. But for some reason, we became friends, and he took me on all the Jersey gigs with him, where he would clear the crowd. He would clear out. They would be walking out, going, "You suck. We hate you." You. <laughs> I mean, he was horrible. I mean, he wasn't, but they just hated him. And why I, I will always love Sam, is because. When I moved, I did some show that went straight to beta tape. So that's how how long ago this was. And um, uh, I had to work my set out, and I it was in California. And he's and he he said to me, "I'm going to introduce you to Mitzi. I'm going to get you a spot at the comedy store." And and then we we taped it at a place called L.A. Cabaret, which was in Encino, in the you know in the Valley. He came to see the show. He sat wow. and held my hand. And he was—he wasn't the Sam, you know, he became. But he was a big, you know, a, a big, you know, he was—he was going. You could tell, you knew he was going to be the the next big thing. So, so I've met a lot of people along the way, and I, I you know, they, and I, I, what I didn't realize is, I, 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 I believe in paying it forward, you know, like you know, the, the people that help me, I help. People, I have comics come up to me all the time and go, "You don't remember me, but they didn't give me a hotel room and you let me sleep on the floor." I went, "Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't remember, but I, you know, I, I, I always did that, you know, because I mean, I just remember I was so. I, the one great thing I loved about Sam is 
So we were we were in LA. I'd never been to Los Angeles. I'm this young comic, and I'm in the car with him. And he's we're driving over the 405 going into the valley. And he says to me, he goes, okay. And it was nighttime. And he goes, this is the greatest view you're ever going to see. It's when you go over the 405 and you go into the valley and you just see all the lights. To yeah. this day, when I drive in LA and I do that at night, I always think of that. I always think of Sam going, wait, you're going to see it, and you get to the top and you see it, and it. You know, like it's 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 shame. It's a shame that in the end, because of all the excess in his life, you know, he, you know, because what happens is, is as as we all know, people who have made it, you get surrounded by people you can't trust, yeah. and people want the money, and they want to get the, they want to be part of the gang, and uh, you know, and so unfortunately, it, it, it didn't end well. But it, it, he was, he could not have been a kind of man. And a lot of people don't know, you know, also, uh, he was, he, although he had his demons, he was a man of God. Uh, yes, he, he was. You know, he was an evangelist. Um, yeah. and, uh, he knew the Bible forwards and backwards. And yes, he did have his demons. But I respected him uh, because I loved his character that he did. But, you know, I even loved him out of character. And uh, when he said those words to me, that's, you know, it, it you know, it just, I, I wish I had that type of relationship with someone like that. Let me tell you who I had my relationship with, Carol. Um, you know, I don't know if you knew this or not. I, I think you do. Uh, I had a, I have a cousin in this business. His name is Alan Bursky. Oh, I've yeah, oh, obviously heard of him. <laughs> yeah, so. you, you struck a chord there, Bates. Yeah, so Alan Bursky, Herman Bursky, his father was a gem. His mother, Helen Bursky, a gem. She just yeah. recently passed away. So Aunt Helen was the Greek you know, part. And then there was Alan. And Alan had a, a brother. And I think he had a sister, too. But I never met her. And Alan was, you know, so I, when I started doing comedy out in Cleveland, that's where I got my start with Steve Harvey and myself. And we all started together um, and we we grew quick and we just grew quick because we like to watch the pros. You know, when there was amateur night, the pros still went up and everyone would leave except for me and Steve. I want to see how the pros did a segue. I wanted to see how the pros did this and did that. And I see how creative they were. And I'm like, wow, I wish I could be that creative. And, you know, it was just something that was special. And then I would tell, you know, because Bursky was the closest thing I had is to someone who was a star. I mean, he was the youngest person to ever do Carson. Yep. He was Freddie Prince's, you know, uh, uh, roommate. Um, and I, you know, and then you learn little by little by little. And then, I mean, the claim to fame uh, to Alan, unfortunately, is Freddie Prince, you know, used Alan's gun and he, he killed himself. And it was sad because it wasn't it wasn't Alan's fault that he had the weapon and all this stuff that was terrible. But, you know, I would feel so bad about this. Now, the funny part was when they were doing the Freddie Prince story. On, it was a made-for-television movie. Do you remember this when they did this some years uh, some years back? Yep. They did the Freddie Prince uh, story, and Alan Bursky went to audition as Alan Bursky, and he didn't get the role. And I'm sorry, <laughs> it made me laugh. <laughs> Hi, Alan Bursky. You, you know something's up when you don't get the role of yourself. 
This guy's just ain't quite right. You're not quite what I'm looking for here. That is wild. Hey, let's take a look at some of the comments we got going on up here today. Got to say hi to uh, my brother, Paul Mavrikas, out in uh, San Diego, checking in with us Paul, today. Good to hear from you, Greek. Uh, Debbie Horvath, she uh, can't wait for women of a certain age. She can't wait to get down there. My yeah. buddy Jaybird is uh, drinking this afternoon. I am impressed by Jaybird's comment because I believe that he properly spelled in his comments, baklava, and what's the other one? Spang. What, what was it? What did you call it? Yeah, it looks like it looks like he spelled it correctly in the comments, and I, I'm surprised about that. And and, and uh, uh, Jaybird says he wants to sit down with you and uh, share some ideas one day. He's at the table of good ideas. You know, every bar has a table of good ideas where you sit there and, you know, that we used to have the table of good ideas too. Remember at the Ice House, Basil, Carol, you know, when we were on the morning show and my partner, Christy Patrick and stuff, we would always go after we got done to this place called the Ice House. We'd sit at the table of good ideas and we would sit there. And as the day progressed, the ideas got better and we're laughing and we would go back on the air the next day and we would do all this Real stuff yep. and and the, the the station owners calling us up and going what the hell are you guys even saying and right. we're just like it was so funny though yesterday yes it was hilarious you know do you, you freddie do you remember um they had oh what was her name oh if she was uh, she was a, a dancer and Alan Bursky used to manage her, um, Elaine Boozler. And do you remember when I literally uh, came and they said, Basil, we're having a hard time um, doing this theater. And I think it was the Warner Brothers. What, what theater was Yeah, the, the, the Dior. The, the, the Warner Dior. Brothers. Yeah. Or the other one, the other side. Um, yeah. Of, uh, yeah, Powers Auditorium. Powers Auditorium. Yes, this is a good one. I know where you're going with this. Okay, go ahead. All of a sudden, they always saw me screw around on the radio station with all the characters and the voices and the Bullwinkle and the James Brown and blah, blah, blah. So all of a sudden, uh, the, the Freddie's morning show and, and some of the afternoon crowd went, I'll let you finish up the story, man. Because yeah, so so Chrissy Patrick, who was my partner at the time, she's watching this show, and the next thing you know, after he gets off stage, she goes up to Basil, and and we've had a relationship for a long time, and she goes, I didn't realize that you were a real comedian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It was like, she goes, you tell real jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were some jerk off to just come in here oh doing all God. this stupid shit. Oh I think my God. You know, it was That's like yeah, then, then from that point on, it was like, hey, Basil, you're a real comedian. How yeah. about boy? Now there was some validation there, huh? Is that like like Sam Kinison or something shaking your hand when Chrissy Patrick goes, Oh, I didn't know you were a real comedian. Yeah. You you, you told some of them jokes and people were laughing and stuff. You're a real boy. You're a real boy, Basil. You're a real yeah, boy. You know, it's, I'll tell you, very true. When you can impress Chrissy Patrick, you know you you know you've done something well. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you another good one, Carol. That, that probably one of the most embarrassing 
things in my life. And believe me, I have done so many things that you wouldn't even believe. I have lost bets on the Cleveland Browns where I'm standing on a street corner in a G-string with my ass cheeks painted black and gold and a giant penis on my hat and on my head and all this stuff. One of the most embarrassing things ever is Basil, they decided to do this show and they had it. And it, it was almost practically an abandoned bowling alley and the bowling alley was going out of business and there's like three people bowling and there's like 50 lanes in this place. And they have like one light on where these people are bowling and they supposedly had this comedy club and you had to go through this maze of closed down bars and locker rooms and stuff. And you finally make it in there and there's the stage. So Basil says, I'm not going to do my act today. I want you to come up on stage with me. And we were going to do this wheel of spank that we used to do. We would spin a wheel. We would go out places. This might be why people didn't know that Basil was a real comedian. We would go out places with this wheel of spank and you would spin the wheel and wherever it would land, Basil would spank you with different things like a leather glove. He had a pizza tray, hot wheel track. A pepperoni. Oh so we would go out. We spin his wheel. He goes, "Listen, why don't we do like the wheel of spank, and we'll do all this goofy stuff, right?" So about ten people show up for this show, right? Now there's about 10, 12 people out there in the audience, and, and we're sitting there and we're spinning the wheel of spank and everything. All of a sudden, the club manager comes up and grabs me. And tells me, get the hell off the stage <laughs> right now. One of the people, one of the two people that actually bought tickets that didn't win from the radio station had called the club owner on his phone and said, This is the worst thing I've ever seen. And you got it. And they yanked me off the stage. And then he goes into his regular routine. And it was like, they just come and pull me right off the stage. They said, okay, that's enough. That's enough. Stop this. They take me by the arm and practically throw me out the back door of the club. And it was like, it was his, I'm yelling, it was his idea. He come up with, I didn't want to do this. He made me. I'm sure Basil went, I don't even know who this guy is. Yeah. 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 That's how he is. Yeah, who? Hey, who let this asshole in here to screw up my whole show? Oh. Any, anytime I can throw you the wolves, you know I will. You know, that's, that's <laughs> but that was that was an all time classic. And just when they just yanked me off like that, and, and it wasn't like there was a ton of people there. Like I say, I've done so many th- things that people would find a normal person would find embarrassing, humiliating, yeah. or whatever. But for this one, it was just like Basil. You got to be kidding me. They're pulling, they're kicking me out of the club. Uh, I got to ask Carol a question because I've been dying of Carol of all the gigs that you've done. I'm sure there's a couple that because there's a couple that stick out for me that even when I first got started, uh, was there anything like a gig that you were just like, oh God, I'll, I'll never do that act like that again, or that was the worst freaking nightmare gig I've ever had? <laughs> Was there that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Well, you, gonna, you, you should know this. You, you, do you, do you remember Betty's Betty's fireside? 
Betty's. I know the name, but I don't think I've ever played Betty's. So, so back in the day, Freddie, there were there were two bookers in uh, that book, Jersey Gigs. It was uh, Jim Bellazzo's and Jerry Stanley. I don't know if this was a Bellazzo's gig or if there was a Stanley gig. And like I said, you know, one of them. Huh? Yeah. Okay. No. So one of them had this gig called Betty's Fireside, and so it was. When when it's very when you mention it to certain comics, people actually start twitching because it was that bad. Okay, so you walked in and the stage was covered. You, you were the, the stage was behind the bar, so the bartenders would be you know serving, but you'd be on the stage and there was chicken wire <laughs> covering the stage. So if 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 they didn't like you. They would throw a bottle. They throw stuff at you. That's why the chicken wire was on there. <laughs> well, that was, you know, that was that probably the worst gig I ever did. And then there was one. Um, uh, oh God, it was on Fifty Fourth Street. Oh, I forgot. But it was a bar, and this, the stage was all the way in the back. And right next to the stage was a dartboard. So oh. if they didn't like you, they started just throwing the darts at you. Oh. <laughs> All right, Bass, since you asked the question, you got to jump in now. Your turn. <laughs> My, mine involved some guy named Basil, and it was still. <laughs> Let's hear yours. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, listen, when I I started off with Steve and myself, and, you know, I'll be the first one to tell you, I thought Steve was, you know, in a normal comedy club setting was much smoother and a lot better where I was more of the rough and tumble and I can throw it right back at you. Um, and I was suited for one nighters, you know, because one nighters were Carol will tell you is mostly, you know, bars that happen right. to have a stage. And so I was suited for that. And, uh, you know, and Steve was more of a, he was more graceful and he never cursed either uh, in the beginning uh, of his career, never cursed. And he was almost like, if you were to say something, well, what do you think about this guy? So, yeah, he's the heir apparent to Bill Cosby, that type of an act that he had back right. then. And so, you know, they would send us in tandem because we were the two guys that came out of Cleveland that started off and did all the... You know, the uh, funny bone, not the funny bones, I'm sorry, the punchlines. And yep. so I worked for Ron, uh, Chris DePetta, Ron D'Annunzio, uh, Dave Montesanto. And wow. they actually, these three guys own like about 10 to 15 comedy clubs, mostly around the Southeast, uh, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, going into Alabama, Mississippi, you know, going, you know, all that. And it, it was great. And the reason why, Fred, that they liked me was not only was I rough and tumble and I could move, but I also had a, a year of law school under my belt. And they put me in <laughs> the opening act and also evidently the, the legal advisor to get these guys out of jail, you know, when they would get <laughs> So I remember Dave Montesano would look at me, goes, hey, listen, if you need money, let me know. I'm giving you a grand because he, uh, they put me purposely with John Fox. And, uh, OK. And Kenny Rogerson. And 
John Fox, and I've learned because Kenny Rogerson, to, you know, to this day, still makes me laugh. John Fox, mm-hmm. God rest his soul. And, you know, John Fox would sit there, and that was his opening line. I swear to God, ladies and gentlemen, John Fox, he walks up there, he goes, <clears throat> and he looked like that surfer dude that just let himself go. You know, yep. that type of thing. And, and he goes, <clears throat> two firemen are butt-fucking in a smoke-filled room. <laughs> what the hell is going on? He, one of the firemen looks up and goes, Smith here was overtaken with smoke inhalation. Chief goes, well, you're supposed to give him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. <laughs> fireman looks up and goes, why do you think this whole fucking thing got started? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. And I would sit there and laugh. Because John Fox was the guy who always, hey, we got to go get some cocaine. Let's go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the opening act. I'm like, why am I? I am so much smarter than this. Why am I going and trying to find drugs for these guys and shit? Yeah. But I learned to become a better comic. I've learned to become that that guy who is more in control, crazy, in control. Freddie, you've seen my act hundreds of times uh, when I would play there. You would always come to the show. You and I would smoke a cigar or have a couple of cocktails afterwards. And even though I, I don't party like I used to, because I'm usually on a flight the very next morning, I take off to go someplace else. Um, you know, it was just one of those things where I learned and Carol learned and you got to imagine how much more difficult it was for her and the ability because being a woman and not that she's of a weaker sex. No, I'm not yeah. saying that, but she's a target and yeah. you know, some of the stuff she could probably not get away with. And she still controlled her audience in a way that got laughs, respect, and people admired her. And like I said, you got to have some type of genius and brilliance to pull it off. My thing was more rough and tumble, but I learned to polish my own self. Uh, and believe it or not, I never had that major, um, that major, uh, uh, I guess, agency and management and everything. You know, I wasn't with Gray and Brillstein and I wasn't with APA and, you know, you name it. I know. I did just about it. I even created the Greek, you know, the Growing Up Greek in America series. I created that on my own, you yeah. know, and, and did something. So uh, we both went our different ways. But what a pleasure it has been to literally work together. And um, and that's why, again, you know, before this thing ends, uh, this show ends. And Freddie, thanks so much for having us on. Um, to be able to, to work with some, and I want my fans to know you gotta catch this show and don't forget to catch my show when i film on the second of march oh, right 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 you know sure. and that's one thing i wanted i that's one thing i want to say about both you and carol that the fact that both of you have been in this now for 40 years and you continue to do things and you continue to make things happen. You know, you don't have to be George Carlin or something, or and even with music, with music and comedy and performing and entertaining, you don't necessarily have to be, I don't have to be Howard Stern to, to be, consider myself successful. And I think, right. you know, I, I like seeing people like you, 
like me, like Carol, we grind on, we keep on going, we keep on trying new stuff. And, you know, we, we, we still have the same passion that, that, that we had 40 years ago when we were starting out. And I think that in a way keeps us going. And, uh, you know, I, I think that says a lot about, you know, especially you guys that, you know, you have this desire and this drive. A lot of people have probably had some point to say, eh, you know, forget it, but you guys, so what is it that drives both of you? We'll start with Carol. What, what, what keeps that drive going with you? And then we'll take that over to Basil. Well, once again, Basil, I love you so much and I appreciate everything that you're saying, but I do want you to know, like he was talking about, you know, we grew, we came up in a way where like you had to have the right agent. You have to have the right manager. And I had to have that. I sold, I sold that first special without an agent or a manager. So it can be done. Because sure. I, what, what people say to me is, is like, how did you do that? I said, I, I just, you know, when people are so afraid of the word no. And sometimes no just means no for, you know, like in other words, I've had people, I've, I've, I always ask, I, you know, when, when we decided to try to sell this, my partner and I, we sat down and went, who do you know? Who do I know? And we started making phone calls. And right. Some people got back to me. Some people didn't get back to me. And then we went, the reason we went with Showtime is Showtime gave me my first break when, um, when, uh, uh, when I did the Showtime comedy all-stars a million years ago with Don Rickles as the host. So I wanted to go back to the place that gave me my first big, big break. So what keeps me going is, 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 is my mother-in-law calls me the pit bull because I don't take no for an answer. I just keep going, you know, the, because our business is so about keeping people down. Like you have to do it this way, or you have to be this, or you're too old, or you're or you're you're the wrong you're the wrong race, or you're or you're you. There's so many reasons to say no to somebody, and I'm like going, all right. Well, if you don't want to use me, I'll go across the street. Like the, when comedy exploded the way it did, and when Basil and I were both headlining all over the country, you know, club owners would say to me, "You can't work that club." I went. Why can't I work that club? Well, because it's in competition with us. And I'm like, well, you, you can't tell me I can't make a living. So my my drive, people, I, I, when I start talking about my drive, I get exhausted just thinking about it. Because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm 65 years old. I'm exhausted. <laughs> but, you know, but I, but, but it, it's really important that people understand it. And I say this on stage. I say, um it doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter, um, uh, you know, uh, what age you are. If somebody tells you you can't do something, fuck them. You know Perfect. what I mean? You know Perfect. what I mean? This world right now is so, so, so stressful right now. And people are always just saying, you can't do this and you can't do that. It's like, show me why I can't. Tell me why I can't, you know, can't you tell me I can't do something that's uh, that's putting fire on the flame. Like add some more wood. Please tell me not to, please tell me I can't do something. No, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen guys, it's almost time to wrap things up and I just want to thank you both for being on the show and Carol, I can't wait to see you on January 20th at the Robbins theater comedy from women of a certain age. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great show. And then of course the centerfold of comedy. Ah. Basil. See, I usually, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, a little more laid back today, Carol. Cause usually when me and Basil see each other, we just start yelling shit out and stuff. You know, he'll go, Basil! 
I, you know, stuff like that. But but listen, man, I want to thank you both and 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 for sharing these great stories and uh and, and it just continued good luck on everything. So Carol Montgomery thank with you. um uh the, women of a certain age at the Robin yeah. with Marsha Warfield and Vanessa Hollinshead. Right, right. And of course, Bays will be taping his special, and that's going to be on uh, March 4th. March 2nd. March 2nd. I was planning on being there on the 4th, but I guess I'll be there on the 2nd. Basil, he's going to be on my show on January 21st. So he'll be at your show on the 4th and my show on the 21st. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now Everybody will be there. All right, Basil, March 2nd. Basil, March 2nd at the Robbins Theater. Carol and all her friends are going to be there on Saturday, January 20th. You can find all the information on the Robbins Theater Facebook page. And go there. Buy your tickets through the Robbins Theater, not through these secondary, third people out there trying to sell tickets and stuff. Well, Carol, Basil, thank you for a great time this evening. Cheers. And uh, we'll see you here coming up in a couple of weeks. And Basil, see you in a couple of months. Okay. Thanks, Freddie. I'll see you soon. Thanks. Love you, Thank you, guys. Okay, Bay, take care, man. Just don't get me kicked out of the Robbins Theater. If you would do that, promise me. Promise me. I might go on. Promise me. Bye. Promise me. (laughs) All right, guys. Have a good night, everybody. Well, there we go. Another good one in the books. Thank you, Joe, for all the help. Joe Danier, producer, co-host extraordinaire. How was your drink? The the drink was was freaking awesome. It, It was really good. So thank you, everybody. We'll see you next Monday, 730, right here on Youngstown Studio. Peace out. Thank you for listening to this show on Youngstown Studio. This is original Youngstown content. Feel free to share our videos and tell your friends about us. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook. Thank you for your support.